Hello, welcome to Pull to Open, a special edition of Pull to Open, a podcast where we talk about Doctor Who. And there has been so much news, so much since the power of the Doctor, that we thought we would need a special episode just to go over some of it and some of our thoughts on it. So I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris. I'm Chris Taylor. Uh, sorry to step on your intro there, Pete. No, no, it's all but, good. but I'm just so excited to talk about it. We have so much stuff. Uh, by the time you're listening to it, Doctor Who will have turned 59 years young, um, which it did on uh, Wednesday, the 23rd of November, which is in the past for you. Hey, there we go. The happy birthday, Doctor Who. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about the anniversary uh, special that is coming out, the 60th special that is now just 360-something days away uh, and will be the first of three specials over what the BBC is calling the festive season. Okay, okay, background here. First of all, (laughs) that's good to know Mm because I wasn't sure about this. So listen, okay, guys, there's been a lot of news uh, we'll get to it. Uh, we have a new companion. Uh, there's been a lot of details shared by Russell T. Davies in the latest issue of Doctor Who magazine, which I have not read. Okay, and I blame Panini for this because I have not gotten my last two issues, and we're looking into it. There's a big investigation as to why, but Chris has, Woo-hoo! and that's actually new information for me. So, so, so the sixtieth. Anniversary, the one that's going to happen on November twenty third, twenty twenty three, will be the first. Yes, that's when that's, and then the other two. There's two more, right? So there's three. There are two more, and all the BBC has been saying is they'll show over the festive season. Now, what I'm assuming, and a lot of people assuming, uh, has not been confirmed, but we're assuming that this means Doctor Who returns at Christmas, uh, because Who and Christmas are so are so aligned now. Um, certainly in the British public's imagination. Although, let, and, me, let me get depressing consequence out of the way immediately <laughs> before we get into the fun stuff. I just, I didn't just realize this, but I think it's sinking in for everyone that to- the holiday season of 2022 will be the mm-hmm. first time since 2005 mm. that we have no Doctor Who. No Doctor Who, which is why it behooves the BBC and Russell T. Davies and Disney Plus, all of them, to kind of paper over that crack in space and time and uh, provide us with as much information as possible. And, uh, yeah, if you can see this on YouTube, you know, Doctor Who magazine, fresh out of the gate with that just the beautiful cover. I think one of the best covers I've ever seen them do. David Tennant is the Doctor with the new diamond logo and everything. Tenant looking fabulous. So yeah. so they're going to want to keep us excited before, uh, through the Christmas season, through the new year, and into 2023 by just sort of this steady drip feed of revelations. I'm kind of holding out hope that hmm. RTD will put on his Father Christmas outfit at some point and essentially give us a webisode or some mm. kind of, maybe not, something on the scale of time crash or whatever, but something a little, a little some, maybe it's just a trailer. I I don't know uh, that we get something either around Christmas or new year's. I don't know. Maybe that's a naive hope at this point, but I think it's entirely possible. Yeah. Especially if, if if there's going to be any sort of Disney plus launch um, of uh, episodes on the service, I I feel like Disney is going to want some new content for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they've had some time. I mean, you know, they mm. they wrapped all this stuff months and months ago. Um, so you know, maybe maybe he packaged a little something. I hope. I'm hoping. It's it's hopeful. Yeah. I mean, one one of the interesting things in this in this magazine, not to get too deep into dissecting the issue yet, we'll we'll get to a lot of what it reveals. But I'll just say this: the comic strip is now canon. Uh, it was, mm, yes. it was, it takes place immediately after the power of the doctor. Um, and you know, so David Tennant, you know, 14th doctor goes back into the TARDIS goes, uh, has an adventure. I won't spoil it for you. It's worth a read, uh, because there is a surprise in there, but, um, but it does suggest that RTD is thinking very deeply about this, about how to put it into chunks and, and that he has made the space available immediately after the power of the doctor for other things to happen. So we could, as you're saying, we could see a webisode. We could see a surprise. We could see something small that tenant has filmed to make it a bit Christmas ish, uh, and releasing it night of the doctor style as, yeah. as a surprise. Maybe we, we all remember how amazing that felt. Oh, totally. Um, and I really like that. He made that decision with the comic, hmm. um, because, it suggests to me that he's still he's thinking along the lines that fans do now, which is like it's now not just Doctor Who, but the Doctor Who cinematic universe. And we always knew yeah. he he was doing this right back with Torchwood, Sarah Jane Adventures, but now with you know just all the media and channels, you know, people are encountering the show and talking about. I mean, just look at you know us and our podcast mm-hmm. and our TikToks and whatever. Um, understanding that. And trying to weave as much of that into what he's trying to create, I think that 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 gives me a positive, very strong mm-hmm. indication that when Doctor Who reaches its next incarnation, if you will, yeah, there's going to be, it, it, be this sort of back and forth throughout. It's kind of an interesting contrast. I wrote about this when Night of the Doctor came out um, because basically that was a time at which in which uh, the Star Wars universe was being revived. You know, Disney had just bought Lucasfilm. And yet we knew nothing. We knew nothing about Force Awakens. We were making up all sorts of insane theories. And it was because right. we weren't being provided with anything. So I basically did a story that was like, hey, Star Wars, this is how you do it. This is how you keep us on a drip feed. And, uh, you know, surprise and delight us. To- Doctor pointed Who? to Night of the Doctor in oh, particular. Doctor. In particular, the the uh like the unexpected regeneration, the unexpected return of a fan favorite. Like, you know, just a five minute episode, but it got everyone so excited. So I I would love to see RTD do something like that. He is, you know, you can absolutely take it to the back that he he does want to surprise and delight us and he knows how to do it. And he's a big fan himself, so that's that's you know, he's pleasing himself as number one fan. It's well, kind of you're, how you do you're it. Increasing my hope and anticipation that something he's got something in up his sleeve for the coming holiday season. So obviously no news. That's that's just my speculation, but uh that's what I think. So speaking of news though, why don't mm-hmm. we get to the mo- lo- most recent headline? The big Absolutely. thing that happened almost in the last 48 hours for us, but uh is a little, you know, for further back for people listening that they've actually announced the new companion that mm-hmm. will be alongside Shudigawa. And that is none other than Millie Gibson, right. who will be playing a character named Ruby Sunday. 
Goodbye, Ruby Tuesday. Hello, Ruby Sunday. Uh, I've, I've, I, I love that the that Who fans are kind of zeroing in on the name, meaning you know they're, they're talking about like, is is this a sign that Doctor Who's going to screen on a Sunday? Still, like that's that's his new home. Like, come on, guys, calm down, calm down. Just because a name is Ruby Sunday, uh, doesn't mean you know everything you might think it means. But it was cool. They did tease it with a little Ruby symbol. Like a little diamond symbol, you right. know. They've been doing the two hearts plus thing on social media. You know, I and hope I hope RTD isn't naming people for emojis. Just for the, <laughs> thinking about the emoji reveal and like, what can I call them? Hmm. I'll call them head explody. Yes, female cop. <laughs> like, yes, welcome new companion thinking face. <laughs> but ruby sunday i mean i don't know we don't want to read too much of it but did you like I, I thought the ruby tuesday thing too like is that <laughs> is that a thing like what, that's just kind of a it's a fun name but it's a little like okay that's, that's a tad weird it's 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 very rtd it's sort of like you know take take a thing that you have i wouldn't be surprised if he was listening to the rolling stones song or many of any of the covered versions when he was just naming this companion he's like oh yes that's brilliant do it uh, he said it in a more Welsh accent. Um, well, at least she's not Ruby Sunday Jones. <laughs> She'd have been a little bit tired. Um, so yeah, they, they revealed Joneses. her mm-hmm. um, on, I think it was the Children in Need special, and there was this whole dramatic thing. That's right. Where she walks out of the TARDIS. She got and... a more dramatic reveal than Shooty Gutwad did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so that was all fun. Uh, and then they also showed uh, Shooty Gatwa. Um, but by the way, just one more word about that reveal, which was I, 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 it was fine, and I know you do this, and it's all marketing. Uh, but she's kind of an unknown, right? And which is great, I love that. I, first of all, I think this is uh, I've said this I think a couple of times at least on the podcast that I love that new doctors, new companions are unknown, and then they become known for that role. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's exceptions, obviously Eccleston, uh, Capaldi to to a certain extent, but like Smith, Tennant, I thought that was that was you know. Uh, uh, the the good choice. So there's this thing that they introduce her, and it's like it's it's Millie Gibson, and everyone in the audience is like clapping, yay! It's like I, I got these vibes. Like if you've ever seen the pilot of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, where they introduce uh, Carlton, and Will is like, hey, who is? He? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly like what I thought. Well, that's the American reaction, and uh, it was it was my reaction too. But we must remember that. So, Millie Gibson stars in Coronation Street, which uh, okay, I AKA, that's a popular show. It's a very it is Britain's longest running and most popular soap opera, uh, set in Manchester, and uh, it's it's just been a fixture on our screens for actually longer than Doctor Who has. It's it started in 1960. Um, so, you know, if you're going to draw from a show with, with even more history than who, you go to Coronation Street. And she actually won um, the British Soap Award, which is a thing, uh, for Best Young Actor this year. So, nice. you know, she's she's kind of known. I guess she sort of injected a youth vibe into Corrie, as it's known. Uh, not that I'm, uh, I have ever watched a complete episode of Corrie. Sorry, Corrie fans. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's sort of <laughs> for the, for the international audience. I mean, it makes sense that you would do it in a BBC children in need special, right? But right. yes, for the international audience, I guess the video of her shooting in front of the TARDIS, you know, trading questions and kind of displaying their chemistry. 
um, was was a much better introduction. For sure. Um, that was good stuff. And she's uh, speaking of youth vibe. Uh, mm. I she was born in 2004, so a year before the new series yep. ever premiered. She said uh, she's grown up with basically David Tennant and Matt Smith. Those were her doctors, fine doctors. <laughs> But it's funny to think about, right? Like I know you and I, as <laughs> perhaps shall we say, fan veterans yep. of the series. I remember when Matt Smith became the doctor; it w- was the first actor to be younger than me. Yep, <laughs> to be cast in the role, which was a big kind of moment. I mean, you're younger than a lot of people, and yeah, me too. Now it's like everyone involved with the show <laughs> is kind of, pretty uh, much. Yeah. And she, she, so the the fact that she talked about the Moffat era is like she grew up with the Moffat era. Yeah, uh, is is a first. Uh, she was born in 2004. Um, fun fact: younger her- than Rose's character's age. Yes. In 2005. Yeah, she's younger than the baby who played Rose in Father's Day, um, which <laughs> You're is... You're not kidding. Yep, not, yeah. not even kidding. She actually literally is a few months younger than that baby. Uh, interesting fun fact, her, her, her full name is Amelia, um, and she was six years old when Amelia Pond first appeared on the screen. Actually, five. Um, it would have been before her birthday. Um and uh, yeah, that that episode we watched recently, the Beast Below, uh, she would have been one of the kids, you know, cowering behind the sofa at the at right. the Smilers. It's yeah, so yeah. funny to think of that. But at least she had Doctor Who. Like when when they talked about M- Matt Smith and what what he'd seen when he was growing up, like he he was born in the dark times. There was no Doctor Who. Right, right. And and that kind of made us feel old, right? Uh, well, and then when least... it was on, I think he said, like when it came back, he said mm. he never saw it because he was he was a young guy going out to the bar. That's what you do in your <laughs> early twenties. Like, God, you can't exactly. hold that against him at all. Like, um, so, but yeah, it turns out to be perfect. I mean, we do have this great legacy of of people who haven't seen the show uh, being great doctors or great companions, right? Oh, I'd I mean, almost like mm-hmm. uh, make that a requirement. I mean, mm-hmm. not not necessarily because Capaldi obviously was a fan and was 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 pretty awesome as a doctor. But I, you want those fresh eyes, those people mm-hmm. who sort of look at the series and don't see it as this, uh, you know, the, uh, all the details of the canvas that we've already sort of seen filled in and have uh, kind of hyperanalyzed on this podcast yeah. and other places. But they just see the possibilities. And I love that idea that they're just going to like try things and just bring that energy and of the unknown to it. So that that's that's totally great. Do you know what I've just realized is that they are we have preserved the perfect record of New Who of having non fan followed by fan non fan Doctor Chris Eccleston, right? Uh, followed by fan Doctor David Tennant, a fan of Doctor Who from being a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, non fan as a kid Matt Smith. Um, right. Fan Capaldi, non-fan Jody, fan Tenant, non-fan oh, Judy Gutwa. Oh, there you go. Yes, I almost thought you were going to go to Shooty, but I forgot. I, I exactly forgot. He's he's the fifteenth, not the fourteenth. Exactly. So speaking of Shooty, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a reveal at all because I'm not. I'm honestly not sure if they've started shooting. I think that might they might still not have started shooting this season. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they have. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. I did notice when he did his Q and A um, with Millie, he did not have a mustache. Yes, so. and yet he does in the in his brief appearance in the trailer 
when he says, as, as we all know, now the words, say them with me. Will someone tell me what the hell is going on? Yeah. Uh, I got to wonder, Pete, and, and this may be born. I got to wonder if that was just shot to allay fears that he wasn't going to be in it at all. And, right. and that we're going to find out that this was sort of like, like a lot of scenes from, from Rogue One were basically shot, you know, the Star Wars movie were basically shot just for the trailer, didn't actually end up in the final movie. Kept I feel like that's what we're getting here. for that TIE fighter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it never happens. I was like, when am I going to see the TIE fighter? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I feel like that might be... That might be the case because if you're yeah. RTD, like you're just like let's let's get shooting against the green screen and make it look like he's standing there on that rock, but we actually know now from the comic strip that that's not like uh, David you know, the Fourteenth Doctor pretty quickly leaves that rock on which he is he is regenerated. Um, that's canon, so it just sort of feels like RTD is like let's just get him against the green screen, you know, have him with his shirt open, excite the fans, um, you know have him dress how he's whatever he's going to dress and you know it doesn't have to be canon yeah i kind of wonder if they they're going to do something along the lines not necessarily exactly like uh day of the doctor where you see capaldi's eyebrows but that was just such mm-hmm. a surprise mm-hmm. um i don't think they could match it now that they've had him in the trailer but i got my imagination going are they going to try something almost like the specials are a flashback of the 15th doctor, but I, I don't think yeah. you can do that because you have, you kind of have to re- introduce him at, via regeneration. Otherwise. Well, the other thing that, that the BBC has said is that a uh, tenant is going to regenerate over the festive season. Like they're specifically, they keep using right. this phrase over the festive season, which suggests that we might actually see the whole thing being, being a bridge basically that yeah. he, he regenerates at the end of the second special. And then the third special is all shooting. Now that's that would make three specials make sense, and yeah. it would make what we're hearing about Tenant uh, fourteen as the quote unquote bridge doctor make sense. Um, that he's yeah. bridge both for real world reasons because shooting didn't wasn't available because of his shooting schedule, um, but also a bridge between the old and the new. Um, so to to put the put the regeneration to make the regeneration a surprise as well. Cause we know RTD likes his regeneration surprises. You know, we saw that in journey's end, right. um, uh, you know, to, to make that a cliffhanger again, perhaps, but like the cliffhanger is actually real now. And yeah, the, yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. I love it. I, 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 you know, maybe he does it in reverse or something. That'd be cool too. But mm. I do feel like, there's just so much time. Well, not that there's, there's so much time in terms of the real world until we see it. But really, one one of the my concerns was when all this stuff was sandwiching against each other, and then we at some point learned that the next season, the 14th season, was going to be after all these specials. We're getting kind of like special after special after special after special, right? So where mm-hmm. whereas I, I I don't know, maybe it's going to turn out to be all right, uh, but. You, you, I'm almost hungering for just a season of Doctor Who again. It's all been sort of gimmicks. Even Flux, you know, mm-hmm. was, was kind of like this season-long arc, which kind of worked and kind of didn't. Um, it's been a long time since we've just had a season of Doctor Who I'm suddenly sort of occurring. And while I'm I'm really anticipating all this, um, I, I, I don't know. It's, there's a little bit of me is like, okay, I'm getting getting my ooh special episode button pushed a little too much <laughs> um but you know i'll take it over over uh, a darth of of 
content at the very least. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, it does sort of kind of mean that when Shooty's first season starts, like we 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 get that relief of like you know, thank goodness, this is who the way it's supposed to be, right? A whole season of it. Uh, it can really flex his muscles and and go to different time periods, and you know we can have that traditional going to the end of the world episode, and you know episode yeah. two, and <laughs> we can we can have the, all the old tropes back again. Yeah. So speaking of going to the tropes, whether it's the end of the world, one of them is going to the past, and mm-hmm. uh, Millie Gibson has expressed that if she could go anywhere in history. She would love to go to ancient Egypt. Yes, and Cleopatra and the pyramids. I believe she said. Was yeah, which I don't think you know. Even though there's been a lot of Egyptology, we've gone to mm-hmm. pyramids of Mars. Um, there's been hints of it in, like, I think, City of Death and other things. Um, I don't think the Doctor's ever really gone there in the show, has he? No, I no, I'm... I don't. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, the the Doctor himself, herself, has never actually been to ancient Egypt as far as I remember. And it is, I mean, Africa in general is kind of a big gaping hole in terms of, you know, its its representation in the show. And uh, that, that was something that, that Chuti said in his own uh, introductory video was that he, he would like to see Doctor Who tackle uh, Nigerian myths, um, uh, which was interesting. Of course, Chuti is, is, you know, he's a Rwandan Scot um born in Scotland, but, you know, he's very much roots in Rwanda. So, you know, here we have, in, in many ways, the first African doctor. Um, it, it would make sense to to explore this and to, to explore Africa's rich history, uh, you know, and maybe that's Egypt, maybe it's Nigeria. Um, yeah. Who knows? Well, I love but, it. And um, just I suddenly remembering again, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, but there was one episode in Big Finish, uh, mm-hmm. one story in Big Finish, and it was actually called uh, The Eye of the Scorpion, where the doctor, the fifth doctor, and Perry go to ancient Egypt and actually pick mm. up a companion for a while there. So they could mine a little bit out of that, because I remember that one being uh, a fairly decent adventure. But yeah, I, w- I would totally love to see them um, do some dump some new stuff, some unexpected stuff. They've certainly mined mm. British history, and I think could, should continue to do that. I mean, like it's a British show. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, use, but, use, but use human your history, your opportunities, yeah. right? Like they indulged Matt Smith and uh, his friends and their love of America. Obviously, that aligned with the marketing goals mm-hmm. of the show. That helped a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, they're let's yes, let's, Utah very overrepresented in, in Doctor <laughs> history, as we we talked about that during Dalek, right? Um, but yeah, it's it, 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 for for such a, 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 a for for a Time Lord who is so interested in humanity, it is weird that the Doctor has never been to see, so far as we know, the birthplace of humanity in Kenya. You know, Eastern Africa is, is where we're all from. So why hasn't the doctor been to see that? Uh, is he is he afraid of the the giant monolith that he might find there? <laughs> I was just thinking uh, that that'd be yeah. amazing if it's like you know it's like a giant monolith and it turns out it's just like a you know a door to a Walmart or something. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, we can do a Kubrick crossover episode. Kubrick's dead. Sta- uh, you know Arthur C. Clarke is dead. Uh, so you know yeah, totally do a monolith. You won't get sued. Yeah. Cool. So. Um... 
we're really excited about uh, the the companion and um, mm-hmm. seeing them. Seeing yeah, we, we should also mention, that, of course, we're getting Donna back and we're getting the new Rose, who I guess is just a companion for the length of the specials. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the consequence of this reveal, it seems, that she's just going to be there for the two or three specials that we're going to have. And um, I don't know, what do you think of that? I guess, it's, to me, it sort of lends credence to the idea that maybe this is sort of a parallel universe rose mm. or something. And um, so A parallel sort of, universe rose yeah. or a celestial toy maker rose. Mm. Uh, we we do now. Now it hasn't been confirmed that Neil Patrick Harris is playing the Celestial Toymaker, but it is kind of an open secret. Um, and yeah, exactly. The BBC hasn't smoke. shot it down, and yeah. and he's clearly dressed in some sort of Geppetto-like outfit in in one of his promotional photos, uh, which you know definitely lends credence to that notion. And people have reported from the set that there's a toy store. Blah blah blah. Okay, so it's the Celestial Toymaker. So we know that he has power of reality. Uh, we know that he, he may well have been the one who regenerated the clothes uh, ah, okay, and is responsible for this generation. We'll, we'll get to the clothes part, yeah. but also that would suggest that he's providing things to the doctor. So he may be at some point like, here, you, you like companions named Rose. Here's a rose for you. And, hmm. and the doctor would be like, what, 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 what? You, you love Donna. You miss Donna. Here's Donna again. You know, look, she can actually remember you now. Nice. Um, yeah. It would be an interesting way to play that and to kind of bring the fan service in as as a legitimate plot point. Yeah, and I think I trust Davies to do that within a, a way that sort of makes sense and doesn't make the toy maker just suddenly this crazy, all-powerful person mm. who just sort of has no parameters, right? Um, I know he's going to think it through and just sort of have it all make sense. So. We trust the Davies still, although I will say if we can transition a bit to the clothes thing, I'm a little starting to wonder a little bit of his judgment on uh, on why he's doing certain things. So as everyone knows, okay, in The Power of the Doctor, for not necessarily the first time, but the first time since like 1964, 65 or something, the Doctor's regeneration also regenerated her slash his clothes right? right and within well you should probably fill us in on this chris because you've actually yeah. done the interview but i understand it he basically did this to get ahead of internet trolls is that right yeah i mean that's de- that was definitely part of his thinking and and this is why uh the, the quote from the the interview is um i was absolutely certain that the clothes would regenerate nothing would have changed my mind um and and he said that there's a um uh, you know, more, more to that. He, he says, basically, you know, uh, I think the notion of men dressing in women's clothes and those sort of drag is very delicate. Huge fan of that culture, the dignity of it, truly valuable thing, but it has to be done with respect. And to put a great big six foot Scotsman into them, into them looks like we're taking the mickey. So, yeah, I, you know, I, and it was already yeah. played with, and it was kind of interesting that, that they played with it within power of the doctor, right? They had the master, regenerate in Jody's clothes. Um, and, and he's like, also right. I guarantee you is the only photograph. Some of the papers would print for the rest of time. You know, we could yeah, have him I know, dressed but I mean, as God or dressed as William yeah, yeah. Hartnell. And this is the only thing they print. Here's my view. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, again, I, I'm, I don't, 
I hate to sound like an armchair quarterback here, okay? But because like he's Russell Davies, he's way more entitled to make these decisions and consider them than I am. So take everything I'm going to say with the unqualified grain of salt that I'm about to say. But I do think he's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons here. Hmm. In that, like, uh, to a large extent, like who 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 cares what the internet trolls or whatever paper does, what whatever newspaper does uh, uh, down the line? I mean, it's just. You know, and I think it's it's a little bit overthinking it and getting ahead of it too much in that, uh, sure, there's some, maybe there's, there's, I'm not saying he's wrong. It's that um, to, to use that as the determining factor here essentially mm. takes all of future Doctor Who and there's going to be, again, Sirwan is going to do what they want, but it's kind of like setting this precedent from a out of the show standpoint that, whenever you have a female doctor regenerating into a male doctor, you're going to have to regenerate the clothes too, which no, I don't think doesn't really quite, I mean, I don't, that's, you know, people will do what they want, but that's kind of the standard he's setting here. I don't think that necessarily follows. I mean, let's say that, that Shooty lasts for another three years, right? Uh, he starts in 2024. Uh, that takes us through to 2027. That's sort of the, the average length of right. the doctor's yeah. tenure. Roughly. Yeah, three, four years. Yeah. 2027, 2028. I think by then, like the moral panic over drag shows on the right is, will, will be long in the past. Um, oh, that's pretty optimistic of you. I, yeah, you know, they'll have moved on to something else innocuous that they can demonize. But, um, but I think it's the right call. It, it gives you that, that spectacular scene. And if I know RTD, what he's actually going to do here, because he knows this is sort of the real world constraints, he is going to retroactively explain why Troughton's clothes changed as well. Mm. Because, of course, that regeneration happens post-Celestial Toymaker. Right. So mm. I'm sure we're going to get a line or two of like, you know, I've been tracking you for years, doctor, and I was responsible for this. And I was, I was responsible for that. And didn't you wonder why this happened? And, you know, he, he can use it to cover up historical plot holes the same way that we use the Clara Splinter on our show to, yeah. to cover up plot holes. But that's one of the biggest in, in who history, right? That, that Troughton did the clothes did definitively change for well, no, not, no official reason. Yes. And no, I mean, I wouldn't call it the biggest just because I think we've mentioned this before in that it's close enough, you know, <laughs> Like mm. they're both kind of like, okay, like did, did you even notice within the show? They didn't even really acknowledge it. Mm. Um, but I, I take your point, and I do trust Davies to do that, to do the line that essentially like explains it all. And certainly he's going to explain it in one way or another. Um, I think the reason not to uh, have him keep Jody's clothes, though, is more that Tennant has already had that moment, right? Like he's already woken up in someone else's clothes and he's already had the mm -hmm. wardrobe moment mm -hmm. in the Christmas invasion. So it's not new for him and it's not new for the audience for him to sort of go through that. In fact, it's it's kind of not just sort of a, a waste of time. It sort of almost undermines mm. all the stuff that came before. So I think there's a there's a good reason to do it. I just don't think it's sort of the outshow social reason, um, which I, I hope you're right that mm. there's whether it's you know the the right forgetting about it or some other reason like it's just that we get to a point where it's just okay we can just have people regenerate and keep the rule that the clothes stay the same because that's interesting i like it's good mm -hmm. to see the previous doctor 
in the the last or sorry the the new doctor in the previous doctor's clothes yeah, so that yeah. you're sort of reminded of it and then they sort of have this slow self discovery of who they are that's great but like i say tenants already done that um like we don't we don't need to see that again uh so <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think I think this is going to be a one-off, to be honest. And I, I oh, yeah, you know, I agree, I, but... yeah, they, they're going to keep the and and I absolutely agree with you. It's some of my favorite Doctor Who moments, uh, you know, seeing Peter Davison waking up in that in that in yeah. in the folds of the scarf of Tom Baker's scarf. It's just yeah. Well, beautiful. we talked about that in the uh, regeneration episode. Mm, mm-hmm. Go back I mean, and download, listeners. <laughs> but one thing I like about what they've done with the clothes here is they haven't put Tennant in his. It it looks like tenant, like yeah. if you just if you're just blinking. But if you're an obsessive fan and you're zooming in, you saw immediately that yeah. this is not tenant. In fact, it's sort of a clever mixture of his uh, blue suit and his brown suit. Yeah, uh, I, and basically I a check pattern. Yeah, I loved it. You can almost picture the note to the costume designer. Mm. Essentially, give us tenant, but tenant twenty twenty two. Yeah, and give us, and give us give us a give twist. Yeah. yeah. It's a twist, but also it's like I'm, I'm not sure. You know, the Doctor would have dressed himself in that pattern, right? You know, I mean, it's it is uh, like it's a weird tie to wear with a checked. It's, it's this weird gray tie, uh, but like the the check pattern is kind of clear, and it just sort of looks like what you would do if you were kind of trying to cosplay the Doctor, but you you only had this suit, and it just yeah. it seem it seems like it's deliberately a little bit off. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone using the Doctor as an action figure. I think that's basically what we're looking at here. Yeah, I got to say when when he regenerates and the clothes regenerate, and I mean you don't want to unpack it too much, but the fact that like he's got the one button mm-hmm. done and everything, certainly everything sort of fastened up or whatever, but it does sort of. I, this is one of my problems with regenerating the clothes, and I hope they never do it again because it just it takes you out of the show a little bit too much when you it invites sort of thinking on that level which mm. again takes you out of the show and um now i think a common defense of this kind of thing well you'll you'll take someone regenerates every cell in their body and has a new personality but you won't take the clothes but it's like <laughs> well yeah actually i, I, yeah. I do think one kind of on a certain level makes more sense and one kind of doesn't um so I, I hear you on that. I, I think we, we also should we shouldn't talk about the clothes too much without talking about the hair. The fact that mm. Tennant has this much more sort of a bouffant kind of thing going on uh than yeah, he ever true. did in, in his tenth in the Doctor's tenth incarnation. So it that sort of also to me speaks this notion that it's the toy maker dressing him. Um mm. and, and yeah. you could even you could even have the toy maker be be a bit drag phobic himself and sort of you know explain it that way. It's like, oh come on, Doctor! I wasn't going to let you regenerate into a woman's clothes. That would be <laughs> that would be foolish. I, you know, and and sort of put it all on him, you know, as right, as Doctor right. often does. Sort of take the external world's kind of conflict, put it into the show, put it into a voice of a villain, and make uh, people realize how dumb it sounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're giving me more faith now, and this is going to be <laughs> uh, well, not just well explained, but well integrated into the next story. Um, mm. So I hope that's true. Um, Chris, tell us more about this interview and things that, uh, that re- he revealed. This is the, the, he revealed basically all of this. And I think we kind of knew this because uh, on chatter on social media, that it all came about from the tweet along during COVID. Yeah. On the Bride. 
It did. And I mean, this is one of the great things about Doctor Who fandom that I don't think you see anywhere else is that the showrunner writes regularly for Doctor Who magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Chibnall did it, Moffat did it, uh, RTD did it. Like, you know, it's certainly been a thing since the comeback. I don't know enough about the the history of DWM, but like, it's a it's a thing. You you want to you want to get it straight from the horse's mouth. You want to get all your latest teasers. You know, read read Russell's column. Here it is, letters from the showrunner, um, in which nice. he reveals that it actually started with with the runaway bride which is interesting given that the randomizer pointed us there the randomizer knew now i'm starting to wonder if uh the celestial toy maker is in in charge of our randomizer um mm. but uh it definitely so it was a tweet along during lockdown uh which was organized by doctor who magazine emily cook of dwm um and they had enormous fun and uh in on 18th of december 2020 he says uh, catherine texted me to say Catherine Tate, that is, texted me to say how much she'd enjoyed it. She texted back, God, let's get David to do some more Doctor and Donna. I loved it so much. And uh, he he said that in his memory... Challenge he, accepted. Indeed. He said that in his memory, he had made that, you know, Catherine Tate had said that. But no, he was the one who suggested it uh, when he uh. looked back through his text messages. And then it turned out that uh, David was available, said he would do it in a heartbeat. She actually asked David for RTD. Um, and then, and then he checks in with, uh, Chris Chibnall cause they're, they're all friends. Um, and yeah, of course they are. And he, he just like throws it out and he's like, Oh, I don't know if this would fit in your future plans. Maybe it could be a special somewhere down the line. And then, uh, you know, months go past. Um, and then he's, you know, he's left his showrunner notes on a cliffhanger there. So we don't know what happened next. We'll find out in the next issue. Oh, wow. <laughs> or the writer's tale part deux. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, so, guaranteed we'll yeah. hear all about it at some point, for sure. That's we will. nothing if not prolific about his process. But I just love that it just sort of, like he had this random idea, and then it kind of gains steam on its own. And yeah. you can almost picture RTG going like, oh, no, 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 wait, hang on, wait, oh, should I? I? Like he's got so many other irons in the fire, so many other projects. But of course he loves who, and if it is explained to him that like they need to fill this gap, um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they thought that maybe we could squeeze this in for the 60th special. It, it would all work out, and um, you know, I, I think he was—he's totally up for it. But yeah, I—it's—it's it's fascinating how much Doctor Who is kind of written on the back of the napkin, as it yeah. were. Yeah, and I think that's—I mean, I don't know if it's super common with with all shows, but I think there's there's definitely I get the sense that the whims of showrunners, at least as modern TV is made tend to influence things more than um, maybe they did in the past. So mm-hmm. I remember when Battlestar Galactica was uh, being broadcast on sci-fi, mm-hmm. oh God, almost 20 years ago now. Oh God. And uh, the, the <laughs> Ronald D. Moore would share a lot about his process and mm-hmm. sort of ideas he would come up with. I would listen to the commentaries on some of those episodes. And it was surprising how little planning there was, you know, they would yep. talk a lot in that show about how the Cylons have a plan. Well, the showrunners kind of didn't, you know, they were just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, certainly broad strokes. They knew they wanted to do, but there was like the, as they, 
sort of had characters mix and do different things. They were they were kind of coming up with it on the fly. And yeah, yeah, I actually talked to I I, I talked to Ronald D. Moore about that and specifically about the all along the watchtower introduction because yeah. that to me was my favorite moment of Battlestar Galactica because it's such a WTF moment. It's such a, a cliffhanger at the end of season three, I believe, right? Yeah. When the, oh, you're expecting it to focus on the trial of Gaius Baltar and suddenly like this Bob Dylan song <laughs> enters the narrative and you're like, holy hell, they're saying the lyrics. What is going on here? That came from just an idea that, that uh, Ron D. Moore had on a different show that he wor- was working on, I believe it was Eureka. Uh, oh, yeah. and the idea was, you know, there's going to be some alien message from space encoded in a pop song. Um, and so he returned to it for that. And it, it's, it's, it's just an example of like how you can, as a showrunner, just sort of lightly pick out these elements and you see RTD doing it in the writer's tale all the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, that's good. And it reminds me of, of what the, the artists at Lucasfilm say to make star Wars, you've got to hate star Wars as in don't treat <laughs> it too reverentially. Don't exactly. Yeah. Don't do what's gone before. Do something random and new, take something out of the, you know, pick something out of the random box. Yeah, you've got to be willing to throw it all out and, mm. you know, rip up what you're doing and, and start something new to take it in an mm. interesting new direction. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not saying that that's always happened. Obviously, here on this podcast, we've been super critical of the Timeless Child arc, which mm. sort of certainly for for whatever, we're not here to rehash arguments about that, but it is whatever you want to say about it, you have to admire the... Uh, the notion to really rewrite the rules and yeah. that is something every showrunner should not hold back from. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, there was definitely a lot of pushback on that, but, but I'm, I'm glad that Chibnall tried it you know, I see what he was yeah. going for. You know, he wanted to canonize brain and Morbius for one thing. And, uh, you know, just introduce this notion that the doctor could have been anyone in the past. The doctor may run into past versions of themselves and also kind of clear the way for, you know, uh, doctors of, of different genders, doctors of different ethnic origins, you know, it, it just, you know, because you can't just say that it's just been these, you know, 12, 13 white men, uh, you know, you can, you can sort of retroactively say that. And yeah, there was a lot of pushback, but my God, if they, if they did something in star Wars fandom that, that directly counteracted, like, you know, the original 1977 movie, you like fans would be losing their minds. So <laughs> Dr. Who is inherently much more malleable. It's one of the things I love about it. One of many things we love about it. All right. I think that uh, brings us to most of the news here. Uh, There was one other tidbit, um, which is, uh, I don't think it's good or bad news, uh, was that Matt Smith apparently had confirmed that he is not going to be in the 60th anniversary special. And some people might think this is a mislead or something. I really don't think it is. I think it's just completely straight up. He's not in it, which is complete. (laughs) Again, I will say completely fine. Uh, tenants already there. That's really all you need. And we've already, we just had a massive multi-doctor we did. crossover um, with the power of the doctor. And, you know, not that it's like too soon or anything, but it is a little bit too soon for Matt Smith. I mean, he's, you know, his era wasn't, well, it's almost 10 years ago now that he, he stopped being the doctor, but we can give it a little more time, you know, to, to, to well, go back to him. So. Well, he's, he's got to stay baby faced. That's my only, uh, <laughs> admonition to you matt smith is like you've got to like if, if we're gonna if we're gonna bring matt smith's doctor back it has to be uh fairly soon well what before. if it's you could say he popped out from the christmas planet <laughs> yes yeah exactly direct easy. from trenzalore easy um 
Oh, uh, yeah. Matt got it. Love it. Love it. Thanks. Thanks for the new headcanon. You're welcome, RTD, or whoever comes after you, which is probably when it'd be a good time to bring Matt Smith back. Yeah, the, the, I can totally see the 70th special being, uh, you know, reuniting all of the new Who doctors that we haven't seen yet, that we haven't seen return yet. Like Eccleston might be ready for it by then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, this has been great uh, talking about the show uh, with something we don't usually do here in our random journey, but we're going to be back in our random journey next week with uh, getting back to the planet of giants. So come back for that. This has been, this is and has been Pull to Open. It's a podcast. Guys, we're, what you do with podcasts, you subscribe and you share them with friends. And if you really, really generous, you leave a review on whatever service you're listening to us on. So please go ahead and do that. Reviews really do help the show. Yeah, please, please, in your review, tell us how we're wrong. Uh, we don't understand Doctor Who at all. Um, and uh, and or leave an emoji, because we are, uh, as we've mentioned many times, accepting emoji reviews of individual Who stories. So uh, please continue that trend. And, yeah, tell uh, us. Yeah. Don't hold back on how wrong we are as long as you leave five stars. <laughs> yeah, and if you're listening to this far in the future, you know, once the 60th anniversary special has aired, uh, you know, please, uh, again, don't hesitate. Leave us a review. Tell us how wrong we were a year ago. Oh, I'll be sure to do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Catch you next week for Planet of the Giants. Cheers. Cheers.